This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With all the trades going on between the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Arizona Coyotes lately, had to get somebody who's close to the action on the show to talk about it. And we have none other than Craig Morgan on tonight. Craig, how's it going, buddy? Oh, it's been busy around here. How are you doing? Uh, not too bad. Yeah, I mean, no shortage of stories coming out of the desert. Uh, we'll, we'll ask you right out the gate. Obviously, Arizona's looking to take on contracts and, you know, I guess be the, the bearer of other teams' bad deals. But um, what is the end game here, do you think, for the Arizona Coyotes? Obviously, good draft capital, but they eventually do have to ice a team and have some players that can actually play. I mean, there's a lot of phantom contracts that used to go to the desert, but what do you see for this team, I guess, for next year? Nick Ritchie now will be a part of that, but there's got to be some players coming soon. Yeah, and that's that's definitely a concern, especially when you look at the fact that they're going to be playing uh, at a 5,000-seat arena. Um, I I don't think the Coyotes are going after any high-end or mid-level free agents anyway. And I've talked to a couple agents already to ask them the question, do you think it's going to be difficult to convince those lower tier free agents to come to Arizona? And, and what those agents have told me is, look, those guys are, those guys are looking for a place to play. I don't think they care about the arena and they also get the advantage of playing in a really nice climate like Arizona. So those two agents told me they didn't think it was going to be an issue, but I intend to reach out to more, but you're right. They don't have many players under contract, so they need to start getting some actual players. I don't know what Bill's overall, Bill Armstrong's overall plan is, but you know they do have some players in the minor leagues that they can bring up. They have some prospects that could make their way to the team. I think there's a combination of things that you're going to see to help fill out the roster. The end game, of course, is they're in year one of a rebuild. Uh, Bill Armstrong came in his first year as a GM, wanted to take the year to assess every level of the organization, and then you saw what he thought of it last summer. He stripped this thing down to the studs. I mean, he, he traded away just about every better. He would have traded more guys if, if uh, they, they didn't have certain contract situations. But he, you know, he shed him of Oliver Ekman Larson's enormous contract. He traded Connor Garland to get that, but they also got a first-round pick to land Dylan Gunther, who looks like one heck of a prospect. They traded Darcy Kemper, got a first-round pick out of that one. Literally, everybody was telling me there's no way they're getting a first-round pick for a goalie. And then they traded Christian Dvorak for another first-round pick. So they have eight picks in the first two rounds next year. They continue to accumulate this draft capital. And I get it from Bill's perspective. He's a scout by trade, right? He came up through the ranks with St. Louis. And the first thing that he did, the first priority for him when he got here, was to assemble the most complete and most experienced scouting staff I have ever seen in Arizona. Now he's given him the draft capital to go to work. 
Well, definitely. So, and I mean, I have to ask the question, obviously you talk about players maybe coming to this team and it will be hard to convince guys. Will they have to overpay? Cause you still do have to meet the salary cap floor. So are you going to have to overpay some guys that may not be in that tier, but give them a few extra dollars to say, Hey, come play here. And the other thing too, that a lot of people are missing out on this, this could actually be one of the most intimate atmospheres to play in with fans right on top of you. And it could be one of the most funnest experiences for players. And I think that's being overlooked, so to speak, right now, because everybody's looking at the negatives. There are yeah. some positives here. It could be a real fun rock and barn to play in if the Coyotes can get some young guys and have a little fun and go on a bit of a run. Yeah, to answer the first part of your question, I, I don't know. I, every year there are a bunch of free agents that are looking for a place to play. So I don't know that the Coyotes are going to have to spend extra dollars on that lower tier of free agents to convince them again to come come play in a warm climate. And as you mentioned, an intimate atmosphere. Uh, I just don't see that happening. I don't think that'll be a problem. ASU, look, I, I get the league perspective on this. I understand why executives are upset about it. This team has taken the maximum share of revenue sharing for a very long time now. They they have projections saying that they're going to make as much money or maybe even more at ASU. I, I don't see that happening. Even if you make it up because all the seats are premium seats, you don't have naming rights, you don't have parking revenue, you don't have a lot of other associated revenue that you normally get out of an arena. That all goes to ASU. Yep. So it's going to be really tough for them. So you understand why the players are upset too because that's part of their share of the pie, right? It's, it, yep. it, it's, it's hockey-related revenue. They're not going to get as much. So that's an issue. But yes, from a viewing standpoint, man, I mean, I can't wait. First of all, it's only 20 minutes from my house versus 50 <laughs> driving to Glendale. So it's all about me, right? So that, that'll that be great. And then secondly, hey, you got to get that in there, right? I mean, you got to yeah, get a little bit of self thing there too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's pretty much the same with all sports writers, right? <laughs> so I, I actually got a chance over the summer to do a virtual tour of ASU's arena. Um, they invited me there, the construction company. And then I just went for the, the latest tour and it's really taken shape. Um, it's a low ceiling. All the sight lines are amazing. All the seats are close to the to the ice service, including the press box, by the way, this will be the closest press box in the entire league. So from, from a viewing standpoint, this place is going to be amazing. It's going to be rocking. It's going to be loud. I'm really looking forward to covering games there. Well, that's going to be the good thing. And I think that's going to be a selling point. I think it's going to be a unique place to go play, whether you're coming into town as a Toronto or a Montreal, it's going to be something different. Obviously you have these big barns that it's loud and rocking, but you come here and now this could be, a new way to market the game a little bit. Also, you have the ASU students that will be wanting to go too, <laughs> right on campus. So there's another built-in tailgating kind of atmosphere because we all know how universities get behind their teams. So this may be a little hand-in-hand -hand thing, especially when they move to the big arena in Tempe, when it gets all built and said and done. Hopefully it does. Um, maybe those fans migrate over there too, and then you have that new nucleus of young fans that grew up with these uh, these young guys coming through. And especially uh, if you're maybe able to get a guy from Toronto that we like so much in Austin Matthews, eventually <laughs> we'll get to yeah. that one a little later on. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious of how they're going to manage the seating situation, because as we know, it seats just a little over 5,000 for ASU, but I don't think it's going to seat that many for the NHL because they're going to have to figure out where to get all the broadcast crews that come in and the, the press and the scouts. And then, College hockey doesn't cover the game on TV like the NHL does. You need more camera angles. So they're going to have to probably take out some seats for cameras unless they can figure out a creative way. None of that is determined yet. I know there's been a lot of speculation about 
what seating capacity will be in this arena. They don't know yet. Look, the, the construction company doesn't even know yet. They need to get in there and figure yeah. it out. But when you're talking about less than 5,000 seats, and, and, and again, they're all premium seats, does that mean that you're pricing out you know, a, a certain level of season ticket holder? Does that mean you're pricing out the students that might want to come? I That's hope true. what the Coyotes do in all of this is that they carve out a, some sort of section in this arena that can still maintain that contact with their their other season ticket base um, and with those students. Because when you're only allowing, let's say, and, and this is, again, this is speculation. Yep. Say you're only allowing 4,500 fans into the arena on a given night. How are you maintaining contact with your season ticket holders and your fans if That's they difficult. can't get to games, especially when you consider, and I, I don't know if you guys have ever delved into this, but Sinclair owns a number of broadcast uh, outlets around the country that cover the NHL. And they don't have the best of agreements with a number of carriers. So it's really hard to watch the Coyotes in this market because not a lot of carriers have Sinclair, have Valley Sports Arizona. So combine those two things, a small arena and the difficulty of watching them, how do you maintain your fan base? They have to be really, really aware of that situation. I don't know if it's watch parties outside the arena, what they do, but they need to be very careful that they maintain touch with their fan base. I wonder if that's something they do. I mean, you look at the, uh, let's just use Winnipeg or Toronto, even Montreal, the big viewing areas outside, and especially the warmer climate for Arizona. I mean, you definitely could mix something in there where you may be able to have a screen outside and have some sort of atmosphere. You set that up where you can have those fans there. You're not too far away from the action, but you're right on top of it. I don't know, maybe tailgate, get some sponsors in there. That may be a way they can generate some revenue as well. Um, you know, obviously advertising outside there. The other question I have for you, Craig, and in regards to the uh, the ASU arena, what logo is going to be at center ice? Are we going to be watching an NHL game with the Sun Devils logo there, or is it going to be the, the Arizona Coyotes? Well, there's definitely going to be a pitchfork at center ice. You can count on that. And, and ASU loves that idea because you're going to have the NHL audience fixated on this arena it's free marketing for asu so they love it um but i you know i've been told by multiple people that asu is willing to work with the coyotes though they'll, they'll probably figure out a way to to get both logos at center ice that that's probably what it's going to look like when it's all said and done the other question i have too in regards to i guess scheduling and maybe you don't know this yet or you haven't heard but i mean a lot of asu games are on the weekend does that rule out the Coyotes being able to play on weekend games? Are they going to be a weekday only team? How is that going to factor into everything here? Yeah, well, ASU definitely has priority and their schedule for next season is set and they will have priority in successive seasons. So when ASU is at home, yes, that means the Coyotes cannot play on weekends, but ASU, of course, is not always at home. So they could, you know, they could probably figure out a schedule where they're alternating. Yeah, when ASU goes out on the road. Uh, the thing is, though, ASU plays the majority of its games at home. They have an unbelievable home schedule. I think it's uh, – I don't want to misquote myself here, but I think it's 24 home games next season. So those are all on Fridays and Saturdays. That's a lot of weekends that they're eating up that the Coyotes can't have. So you probably are talking about some less-than-ideal weekday games. But again, if it's 5,000 seats, maybe that doesn't matter anyway. They're probably still going to fill those seats. The other side of the scheduling component is because – the Coyotes cannot use any of ASU's team areas due to NCAA compliance issues. They have to build that annex uh, off one corner of the arena. That's not supposed to be ready until December. Now the, the NHL requires very specific, uh, you know, measurements and, and amenities in those areas. If those aren't in place until December, 
does that mean that the Coyotes have to start on the road for like, I don't know, like a 25, 30 game road trip? I've been told that there may be some workarounds. Uh, I, I spoke to Bill Daly, the deputy commissioner, and he told me that there may be a workaround with that. So we'll see how they manage it. But that's that's another thing to watch with the scheduling. Well, I mean, Bill Daly did say that they can be flexible. Things can be amended mm-hmm. to, you know, fit different situations. And I, I'm sure this is one that is going to be very fluid. Um, another thing, though, they're building that annex. I mean, that is going to be something that I guess ASU will be able to maybe mm-hmm. use down the line as well. So, you know, that's a beautiful, I guess, feather in their cap for later on. Another thing to look at. So maybe they may bend a little for the uh, the Coyotes in, in future seasons, uh, depending how long they're going to be here. In your heart or heart, Craig, how long do you think the agreement between the two teams is going to last here? Um, obviously, Tempe needs to be built, but they haven't even got any shovels in the ground. I don't even think it's, it's fully through yet that no. it's going to happen. So are we talking three, five... Well, that's the range. That's the range, three to five years. Uh, You know, their dream is three years, but that assumes that the Tempe City Council approves the new arena soon. And then they can, like you said, get shovels in the ground and they have to clean up that site first. It's a dump site. So they have to clean it up, get EPA approval before they can even begin construction. So, uh, look, three years. Yeah, that's ideal. And Alex Morello does, the owner of the Coyotes, does own his own construction company. So maybe (laughs) he can uh, speed up the process a little bit. But to me, when I look at it, I got to believe it's going to be four years that they're going to have to play at ASU. And a lot of people around the league aren't going to be happy about that. Well, well, we'll see what happens with the whole arena situation. It is interesting, though, and it is something that I don't know for me as a fan is something I'd, I would want to check out. I'd want to get in there and see what it's like and see an NHL game in that kind of intimate, intimate atmosphere would be amazing to be right on top of it. Is, is the way you can best describe it. I mean, see some of the big stars, the Crosbys, the Ovechkins, the Matthews, um, right up close, Connor McDavid. That's going to be amazing. Going to be very uh, marketable for the Coyotes. And it may even lead to some players wanting to play there. And that's one question I want to ask you before we talk about the trades. A player named Austin Matthews has <laughs> been linked to the Arizona Coyotes forever. If all of these plans do come to fruition, what would you stake the the claim that Austin Matthews may come home? What's the percentage you would put on something like that? I, I just don't even know how to handicap that. I, I know that there are people north of the border that think that it's just laughable that Austin Matthews would consider coming home. And when you look at the current circumstances, it probably is laughable. But let's say the Coyotes get the arena built in three years. So then you're telling Austin Matthews, look, you're going to have to play in this college arena for one year. But after that, look where you're going to play. You're going to be home. Austin Matthews loves Arizona. He comes back here any chance he gets. Like any break he gets, he comes back here. He has friends on the team. He's really good buds with Clayton Keller. I know people think it's a pipe dream. I don't think it's a pipe dream. I think if the situation is right, it's a possibility. Uh, and I don't, I don't want to scare Leafs fans with that. You know, you have no idea what's going to happen with, yeah. in Toronto in the, in the meantime. If to, uh, it's funny. I, I remember doing a Q&A with Austin just a couple summers ago. It was literally the most innocuous Q&A you could imagine, just all bright and sunny. And people were reading into that. I saw all the reactions from Toronto reading into everything that I wrote saying, oh, my God, he's leaving. He's going back to Arizona. And I, I was listening to podcasts where, like, every path led back to Arizona. The Leafs will win two cups. Austin will feel like he accomplished everything he needed to, and he'll leave and go home. They won't win any cups. He'll get frustrated with the situation in, in Toronto, and he'll go back home. It's just – it's hilarious to hear it. Again, it's so hard to predict what's going to happen that far down the road. But, again, I don't think – 
I don't think it's out of the question. I'll say that. Well, the reason why I think that it's a, a distinct possibility is you have a player on the team right now who just did the same thing, left the Islanders, came to Toronto, his hometown team. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he's had the conversation with John a few times about, hey, how did it feel? You know, how did you know? When did you know? You know, and maybe Austin signs maybe one more deal with the Leafs at five years or something like that. At the end of that, decides to go back once everything's built and in place. And maybe he feels like he's accomplished all he can. But I don't and I'm not a doom and gloom kind of guy. I just would say, yeah, I think there's a distinct possibility. Why wouldn't you? And I think you're going to start seeing that more and more of this younger generation of guys wanting to play where they want to play. Look at Patrick Line. He's another guy that, hey, I'll take my uh, my qualifying offer and I'll split and go where I want to go. That's that's the, the vibe you're getting from him. And I think it's a good thing. I want to see the league shook up. I don't want to see guys kind of stuck in a market as much as I'm a homer for the Leafs. So I want to see Marner and Matthews and all those guys rip it up. I think it'd be cool for Arizona to get a marquee player like that. Yeah, that's the thing that I think people discount a lot is guys wanting to live in a certain place. They want to go somewhere warm. That matters. It, it, it really matters. It mattered to me when I thought about where I wanted to live. It matters to everybody. And look, Toronto's an unbelievable hockey market. It, it's, it's hockey mecca without question. But it also has a lot of media scrutiny, a lot of pressure to play there. Would you yeah. want to maybe come, you know, would you maybe want to go home where you knew it was going to be a more relaxed atmosphere? And again, you have this unbelievable climate. You've got a lot of friends. I think that's palatable. I, I really do. I think it's a possibility for Austin Matthews. Well, then also, if he comes home, it's also the Austin Matthews effect. Who's coming with him? Who's following him to the desert, right? Is Freddie going to come? You know, if Freddie's still at any good point in his career. But it's it's that effect. It could definitely happen. Uh, but speaking of things that happened, I just uh, literally heard uh, that you reported yesterday about uh, Mr. Hutton. Lisa made some deals with the Arizona Coyotes. So let's touch on those two deals. Uh, we'll talk about the Hutton one first. Obviously, it sounds like from what you were reported, he is not leaving – um Arizona he's staying there his family they're all happy there um everything's staying that way it sounds like the Leafs are basically just paying him to play there um what can you say Friedman kind of thought maybe it was a handshake thing that Dezingo got claimed the Leafs would take on Hutton um and, and do this kind of deal what do you know about that situation and what else can you add to uh what we heard on the radio today yeah, I think that's a possibility. I was told these were two separate deals, but you never know. It, yeah. it, it, it's when you look at the deal, you're like, what is, what is Toronto gaining from this? Why on earth would they do this otherwise? They oh, don't I put even- my hand up last night and said, Pam yeah. is going out of town. Hutton's backing up. We're getting more cap space. And then Muzzin went down and I said, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I given where Carter Hutton is, I mean, I, I, I don't know that Carter Hutton's going to play beyond this season. So you're talking about a couple of months. He's not ready to play right now. He could, but the ankle's still not right. I just don't see any gain for Toronto. So I guess that's a possibility that th- th- this was a handshake deal. But I do know that, you know, I was told by a couple of sources that Hutton's camp wasn't going to sign off on this. They weren't going to agree to this unless he was assured that he could stay here. He didn't want to leave his family. So Thus, you have the loan back to Tucson, where my yeah. understanding is he's he's going to go to practices, skate with Tucson, try to get himself back in shape uh, to play. I don't think Carter Hutton wants to go out this way. He obviously played two-plus games at the beginning of the season. He was god-awful in the first two. Then he gets hurt, and he hasn't come back since. I don't think he wants to end a very improbable and inspiring career like this. I think he'd like to come back, play one or two games, and then go out on his own terms. But he is – my understanding is going to be here. I know some people are speculating that the Leafs could assign him to the Marlies later. I kind of think that's a no-go with Carter Hutton. If they try to assign him there, I don't think he's going to report. 
Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Jason Spezza. I think it was last year or the year before where he said, if, uh, you know, I'm going on waivers, but if the team claims me, I'm retiring. You know, I'm staying in Toronto. So I get the same kind of vibe there, which is absolutely fine. I mean, it seems like this happens a few times with different players. So we'll see what happens if he does end up suiting up for any version of the Toronto teams, whether it's the Marlies or the Maple Leafs. But the one that did catch a lot of people's eyes is Toronto did need a physical defenseman. Um, Dezingle was a part of the deal, obviously got claimed on waivers, so we don't have to touch too much on him. But what can you tell us about Labushkin and what will he bring to the Toronto Maple Leafs that they didn't already have? Because obviously Jake Muzzin is the only real physical aspect on our back end. I've heard a lot of different things. What can you add that we may not know about this player that we're going to like? First of all, I love the guy and, and he's beloved by his teammates. He's he's just a, a positive soul all the time. He's a really, really funny guy in spite of the language barrier. I remember before a, uh, he, he was showing me his new sticks during training camp one year and he handed one to me and I dropped it and he just looked at me like, what the heck? I like, I like dropped his baby or something. <laughs> he goes out in the next preseason game and he scores the first goal that he scored in the NHL. So the next time I see him in the hallway, he hands me a stick and says, drop it. <laughs> so he's a fantastic awesome. personality, but in terms of what you're getting, look, I, I know there was, it's funny how fan bases want to believe that they, oh, they won the trade, that they're getting a guy who's much better than people think because he's playing in Arizona. Ilya Labushkin's a depth defenseman. He's not a second pair guy. He's he's probably a guy that's on your third pair or maybe even a seventh defenseman. He will bring a physical element. There's not a lot of offense to his game. He doesn't doesn't carry or move the puck very well. So that that's really not the aspect of his game that you should look at. Um, he's probably not going to help you offensively in any way. Um, as far as defensively, he's really good in board battles and in front of the net. He will he will box out his man. He'll win those sorts of battles. He'll go and get pucks. He can hunt pucks, and he is a physical presence. He'll lay some he'll lay some big hits on guys. In terms of his defense, and, and this this might be a concern for the Leafs with the way they play. Ilya does not defend the rush very well, so that's something to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, it, you can beat him with speed with a speed game. He doesn't make great reads in those situations, and he doesn't have the foot speed to to defend the rush very well. But once he's in your own zone, I think he's a really reliable defender that they can use in certain situations. He's a guy you can use on the penalty kill, for instance. He's effective in that role. Well, that's something the Leafs have been missing, though. We do not have, a, and I've been uh, quoting this one all year long. We need a kind of minute munching shot blocking, net front clearing defenseman. We don't have one. It seems like those are things he can do, but he needs to definitely be a stay-at-home defenseman. Mm -hmm. uh, don't get caught up the ice is what you're saying, obviously. Sounds like the transition game could burn him a little bit. Um, for physicality, is is he a fighter, or is he just more of a guy that likes to throw the body around? Uh, will he get into the skirmishes? Because that kind of thing is something the Leafs need, someone that stands up and is there for his teammates. You set it off the jump for him that that's what he does. But um, is that on the ice too, or just on, in the locker room? Yeah. I mean, I don't know that he's a fighter necessarily. He's, he's had a few fights, but that's, he's not looking like, like Liam O'Brien, for instance, does for the coyotes. He's not looking to get in a scrap to set a tone or try and reverse momentum in a game. That's not really who he is. He's more of a big hitter. So that's, that's probably what he's going to bring. All right. Well, awesome. Now, a question I want to ask you before I do let you go, because we don't got you for a little bit of time here. As an outside observer of the Toronto Maple Leafs, I want to ask you, in your eyes, what do the Toronto Maple Leafs need to add this season 
to make that push and maybe get by the first round? Is it on the back end? Do they need another scoring forward, high Phil Kessel, maybe come back to Toronto, finish what you started? Or is it just a, you know, a confidence thing with this team? Once they get over that hump like Washington did with Pittsburgh, all bets are off. I mean, look, you're, you're going to see some people around the league say that 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 there's not enough of an edge to that team and, and maybe that will hurt them in the playoffs. I certainly think there's enough skill on Toronto. There's a lot of young players. And to me, you, you always nitpick at a team until they get over that hump, right? Look, look yep. what we were doing with Tampa Bay a few years ago when they couldn't get over the hump. And now they're two-time defending champions. I think there's enough there for Toronto if things fall right. And 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 don't discount the importance of luck in the NHL yeah. playoffs. It's a much greater factor than anybody realizes. I think they have the pieces to do something. The problem for Toronto is look where they're playing. Look look at the competition that they're going to have to face in the playoffs. It's not an easy yeah. path for them. So, man, I, I mean, it, you do have to beat good teams to to – win a cup, obviously, uh, but the early path for them is a really difficult path. Well, that seems to be the problem, too. You look at the Atlantic division that they're in. I mean, we were all waiting for Boston to kind of slide down behind them, which they now have, but hello, now Florida stepped up, and now Tampa's a juggernaut, too. So you have to look at those things, and it just, as a Leafs fan, you kind of shake your head. You say this may be the best team we have we've had in a long time, but they may not be able to get by the teams in front of them. So yeah, you might be playing the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions in the first round, right? Yeah, <laughs> which is no small feat. So yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely insane. But yeah. Craig, I want to thank you very much for taking the time, breaking down the trade, breaking down the ASU arena. Um, I look forward to maybe having you on towards the end of the season, see where Arizona's at, see where Toronto's at, and see if they made any more deals. But man, I really want to thank you for jumping on tonight. No problem, man. Anytime. Thanks for having me.